Grace to you and peace in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is a pleasure to be with you this day from the campus of Union Presbyterian Seminary in Richmond. And I bring greetings to you on behalf of President Brian Blunt, the faculty, staff, and most importantly, the student body who will be studying this fall remotely as they'll be taking their classes online during this pandemic. Would you pray with me? Guide us, O Lord, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, that in your truth we may find freedom, and that in your will we may discover our peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Peter says, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. And at face value, we might well see Peter's point. When a teacher we love, when anyone we love begins speaking of how and when they will die, we would likely protest. Nonsense, we would say. You're not dying anytime soon. You'll outlive us all, we sometimes say. God forbid. This must never happen. And that's exactly what Peter says. So let's not be too quick to judge that impetuous Peter. Besides, here he offers protests not dissimilar to our own. Suffer and die, Lord? God forbid. But God would not forbid the plan which Jesus revealed to them, would he? Christ must commence his reign, says Calvin, not with gaudy display, not with the magnificence of riches, not with the loud applause of the world, but with a disgraceful death. And Jesus would not be swayed by words, however well-meaning, that would tempt him to abort the divine plan of salvation. So what is at stake here? Salvation, human salvation, and Jesus' obedience to the redemptive work set before him in Jerusalem. His strong words to Peter are a reaction to any hint or any suggestion that might turn him aside from the plan for which God had come and revealed in his life and teaching. Peter, of course, had just previously made his bold profession of faith in Christ. You remember what he said when Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? Peter said, You are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Both his confession of faith and the pronouncement by Jesus that follows are what God reveals to those disciples who are standing near to the church for whom Matthew served and, and wrote probably up in Antioch in Syria, and for us who overhear the gospel this day. Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Son of God. Jesus is the head of the church who established it and calls disciples like us to serve him through its ministry. Jesus, through his faithfulness to God and in his suffering love, 
was killed on the cross and on the third day raised from death. That is our faith. This gospel, this good news God revealed to Jesus as he calls his disciples, this too is our faith. This is our witness. It is what we proclaim. So, what do we make of it? What are the lessons for us as disciples, which also, by the way, means students or pupils, what are, what are the lessons for us as disciples or students of this gospel of Jesus in our place and time and witness? Well, Jesus makes it pretty clear, it seems, for those who follow him, saying, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Deny, take up, and follow. What do those mean? Deny, of course, means act in a holy or totally selfless manner. It can also mean give up one's personality or simply to forget oneself. If any want to become my followers, says Jesus, let them deny themselves. And then, he says, let them also take up their cross. This phrase not only symbolically means the suffering and death the believer takes up upon himself or herself, meaning to die for oneself and to live for Christ, it also means to carry along this symbol of God's love as something we need for the journey of faith. It reminds me of a time when I was a student here at Union Seminary in Richmond 35 years ago. One day we had an unexpected guest to come to our campus. He was about our age, a young man about the age of some of us, appeared to, be, appeared to us on the seminary quadrangle bearing a large wooden cross. And all morning long, as we made our way to classes and then to chapel, this man just stood there shouting at us about the impending judgment of God. I have to admit, I was not very impressed, but, but some of our classmates went over to talk with the fellow, and they learned that he had been visiting a number of seminaries and divinity schools in his Volkswagen van with this cross that he bore as a witness to the faith he believed that we should have. He was protesting against the established church. Well, someone invited him to come to chapel with us. But he said, no, 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 no. I prefer to stay out here. He preferred to stand alone. Well, it so happened, as God's grace and provision would have it, that the preacher in chapel that morning was our professor of global missions, Dr. Ken Goodpasture. I must say that Dr. Goodpasture was among the kindest, gentlest, humble, and soft-spoken gentlemen I had the pleasure of knowing while I was a student here. So what a contrast we saw that day. While he led us in worship and encouraged us with God's word there in Watts Chapel on campus, 
we could hear the shouts from the itinerant preacher outside on the quadrangle. But what I remember most, my professor's humble witness to his faith that morning. And it had far greater impact on my life and many others, I suspect, than the shouting cross-bearer outside on the seminary quad. That's what I remember. If any want to become my followers, says Jesus, let them take up their cross. Yet we bear the cross of Jesus in a variety of ways, don't we? How do you bear the cross of faith? How do you, in response to Christ's call, live and serve in faith? It's not a cross we bear, but a cross we are called to bear with Christ, who comes and says, come unto me. And then he says, so deny oneself, take up one's cross, and then Jesus says, follow me. And that probably means become a disciple, as Jesus was speaking to those who were his disciples and students. When we read again what Jesus says concerning his death in Jerusalem, we hear also in the context of what Jesus declares about the future, his coming kingdom. Remember, he says, for the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. To follow Jesus as he calls us is to do so in a manner as those who make ready for that kingdom to come, as Christ would have us do so in the meantime. What are some of the ways we follow? Welcoming the stranger who happens to come upon our path. Feeding hungry persons we see whose need is always there. We do it when we offer care and comfort to someone who is lonely and afraid. Right now, in the midst of this pandemic, it could be buying groceries for one who remains in quarantine and, of course, giving to others with no thought for oneself and every thought for the child of God, the other person is the same as you. Living out Christ's love challenges us, I believe, to serve as those aware of others and aware of Christ who will come again. Preacher Tom Long puts it this way, a life that is spent soothing the pain of the sick, caring for children in need, hammering nails in houses for those without shelter, sharing bread with the hungry, visiting those in prison and denying oneself. That may seem like a squandered life in the economy of a self-centered age, but in the storehouse of heaven, it is lavish treasure. That, my friends, in part, is what God commands us in loving others as ourselves. To God be all praise and glory forever and ever. Amen.